0: following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I can't help but think when I look at this room how many hopes and dreams and aspirations there are in the hearts of all of us. We've got these things inside here. Some of them we dreamed up. Some of them, we feel like God put them there, but there's a lot of things going on inside these hearts of ours, these kind of hopes or dreams or aspirations or what it might look like in the future or what we're aiming at, what we are walking towards and, and some of these things. And, and I think the biggest competitor of these things going on in our heart is worry. Because we have these hopes and dreams and aspirations yet at the same time inside this heart of ours is, but what if and what do I got to do to get there and oh no, this happened and there's these these worries and, and doubts or fears and concerns that totally compete with the very hopes and dreams and aspirations that we have inside of ourselves. And it's not a new problem, it's been going on forever. Uh, Jesus addressed it really clearly, we're going to talk about Uh, this this morning, but uh, it's a long-term problem. God has a solution. And here's God's solution. God's solution is this. He's got a way for you and I to never worry ever again and actually trust, trust and believe that he will give you every single thing you need. Now, I know that's a broad claim, but it's God's claim. And you can stand on it because it's in his word. He's got a way amidst all your hopes and dreams and aspirations and things you're pursuing that the worry, the doubt, the fear, the concern can be put at check and trusting God that he is going to supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches. Uh, A great scripture, Psalm 37, 4, we have for up here. And we're going to be doing a series over the next few weeks about Um, how God is going to give us what we need so that we don't have to worry because he's got a plan, he's got a formula, he's got a promise. And if we walk it out, we're gonna see God's hand in a really uh, amazing way. But Psalm 37, four says, take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, God knows what's going on in these cortisones of ours right here. He knows, he knows better than we do. And he's the one who can unlock them. But in the meantime, we get caught up with what about this? And oh no, things aren't happening. There's worries and doubts and fears that plague everyone from time to time. And they get in the way. And God looks at that worry. And he looks at that doubt. And he looks at that fear and says, you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to live under that load. God's got a lot to say about about this. And since God is love, his motivation is love. God's motivation is always love, his love for you, his love for me, his love for us. His motivation is love, and out of love, uh, in fact, Revelation 2.4 refers to Jesus as our first love. How many, would you, how many of you guys would agree that Jesus was your first love? Uh, he was mine, I'd say I wouldn't even know what love is if I didn't meet Jesus. I'll be honest with you, had I not, not met Jesus, I would not know what love is. Love is, real love, God's love, unconditional love. I wouldn't have known it had I not met Jesus. Jesus is the first love. The Bible says he loved us before we loved him. And 1 John 4 says that we love because he first loved us. So what I would suggest that is in response to God's love, our motivation, our motivation should be simply to put God first because of his love for us, because he sees all, knows all, and he loved us before we loved him, our motivation out of love in response to God's love would be to put God first. And we're gonna be doing this series about seeking God first and putting God first. And uh, it's pretty exciting if you ask me. I I really think uh, in this series, God's gonna unlock some things that have been struggles in our life, that have been barriers in our life, that have been uh, things maybe keeping us up at night or uh, constraints in our heart or in our mind or taking up too much space or too much real estate in your mind or in your heart. Uh, God's got a way of saying, hey, listen, put that to rest. I got a better way. And if you start walking in things this way, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. I see them. I know what's good for you. Don't worry about these things. If you have your Bible, if you want to turn to Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, or on your phone, your device, whatever, but Matthew chapter 6, we're doing a God first series here. And... Um, some of you guys are familiar with the series, uh, excuse me, this passage, you've, you've heard it before, Jesus talking about worry, and you're familiar with the, the verse, verse 33, where he says, Seek first God, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and he will give you everything you need. He's going he's gonna to handle it for you. You, got, you guys have heard, how many of you guys are familiar with that scripture? Okay, so when he's talking about seeking, he, he's, he's talking about to thoroughly search something, but... To search it for a binding agreement. Not just to explore a topic or to wonder what this is about or go that was interesting, that was intriguing. No, to search it out, to figure it out, to do the math, look at God's promises, see if it relates to you, see if it's in fact true. And if it does, end up with a binding agreement saying, God, if that's true, then I'm doing this. Because if this is true, you are doing that. And God, if I do this and you do that, you're going to work out the rest. And that's what's important about this, important about seeking God first. When we talk about seeking God, it's talking about seeking Him, searching diligently, but for the purpose of a binding agreement on the other side. Um, So let's jump into this passage, uh, 625. We're going to start there. Uh, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not, life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in his highest splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not so much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But... Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love this passage because Jesus addresses every kind of fear or concern or worry that we have. And if we were to be honest with each other, Uh, There are fears and doubts and concerns and worries in our life. And those get in the way and hinder and block this journey of faith that we're supposed to be walking on. They do. They will mess you up. The devil will use any fear or doubt or concern and he will magnify it with a magnifying glass to where we think it's a big thing and we stop moving forward in faith in God's promises. And the devil has, has uh, immobilized people uh, for many years. He does this by magnifying doubts, fears, concerns, and worries. And God's saying, I didn't give you a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. And yet these things creep up even in the life of a believer. And Jesus is talking to a group of people who are beginning to follow him who also are weighed down with certain worries and doubts and concerns and he can see their eyes and he's looking into their hearts and he's saying, wow, worry is weighing you down and it's robbing you of the hope in the future that you have. And so he addresses this and in verse 33, which is the key verse, you might want to underline it, he says basically everything that you worry about, everything you worry about, I can give you, I can give you everything you worry about. That might sound like some, some impossible thing, but let me tell you, with man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. This is a promise of God. God's saying, here is how, here is how. You don't have to worry, and I will give you everything you need. Here is how. God has a way. I love that how it says in, in verse 25, is not life more Then, and he goes on to explain some things. You know, you find yourself, you're a Christian, you love God, you're following Jesus, and yet you run into these problems or dilemmas or that you have these weights on your your heart or your soul, and Jesus is asking this morning, is not life more than that? We're not supposed to walk around with this burden, this weight, this this worry, this fear, this doubt, this concern, uh, because life is more than that. And God's like, here is how I'm going to do it. It starts with me first. It starts with God first. There is no other way. It starts with God first. And I know we say that in theory, but it has to be a reality because seeking God first means searching it out, doing the math, looking at the promises of God, search your heart. Do you believe what he says or not? And if you do, to search it out to a conclusion, search it out to a binding agreement. God is a God of order. And every time we see in the Bible, from the beginning of creation, we see that when God's honor, when God's order is honored, there is blessing. And when God walked, when people walked away from God's order, the blessing was withheld. The entire Bible is a narrative, a history of people who followed God and walked with him. And the ones that walked in God's order, recognized and, and acknowledged and respected God's order were the ones who were blessed and the ones who pulled away from God's order, blessing was held back. And we can look that through Israel's whole history and I believe it's true in our lives as well. Where order is restored, blessing is released. Where order is restored, blessing is released. Israel who walked away from God's blessing came to the conclusion, wow, God, your word is true. Your promises are correct. We want to get back to you first. We want to be a you first kind of people, God. Forgive us. We said it was you first, but we didn't live that way, God. You withheld blessing. You got our attention. We're stepping back into the things that we were worried about. We're going to be a you first kind of people, God. We're going to be a God first kind of people. And when that happens, blessing is released again. You can look at the entire history of Israel and, and you see this narrative being played out. I believe it's the same for you and I. God is saying, if you put me first, if you put me first, I've got you covered. All these things, not every want that we have. God's not a vending machine. He's not a genie in a bottle. Every wish and every want. But he knows every single thing you need and so much more. He knows fulfillment on a whole other level. We're gonna be talking in, in the next few weeks about desires in your heart and really unpacking the kind of desires that God can just light up for you. The kind of desires that God can bring to fruition in amazing, amazing ways. God's got to be first. And if we have a God's first kind of life, if that's our life, then you get to live your life, but God's way. But God is first in that whole narrative. So while you're seeking a job or while you're seeking your career or while you're seeking your gift or your talent, while you're pursuing all these things, that's great. Pursue them all. But God is first in all those pursuits. And when God is first in these pursuits, that is where the blessability lies. In a God-first people. Got to be a God-first people. And worrying will give you nothing back. Worrying will give you nothing back. How many of you guys have spent nights awake worrying about something to realize it never came to pass? Anybody else? More honesty in God's house? Amen. Yeah, you worry about it. You go, I don't know what's going to happen. And and, and it doesn't give you anything back. It does no good. In fact, here's some statistics on worrying. Um, An average person's anxiety is focused on these things. 40% of anxiety uh, is focused on things that will simply never happen. Uh, 30% on things about the past that simply cannot be changed anyway. Uh, 12% on things about criticism by others, mostly untrue. Uh, 10% about health, which only makes it worse by stressing over it, and 8% about real problems that will have to be faced in time with the help of God. That's all. But worrying gives you nothing back. In fact, it robs you of so much and me right now in the present. It robs us so much worrying. And it creeps up all the time and the devil is great at it. When the Bible talks about the devil shooting arrows, darts of the enemy... It'll be these sort of things, anything to hinder your faith. See, the enemy can't take our life and he can't take our, take our health, but he can, he can be a, a pest with these annoying thoughts of fear and doubt or confusion or I don't know. And all of a sudden we start stepping back a little bit and this is where our faith stops to progress. We're saved by faith. Saved by grace through faith. The journey is by faith. It never stops being by faith. And whenever the enemy can get us to stop moving forward in faith because of doubts, fear, and worry, which is exactly what they do, he's happy about it. And we're not effective walking in the, the will of God. Have you guys ever done this where you, you wake up in the morning and you walk out your front door, go into your car, whatever it might be, and all of a sudden you notice you run into a, a spider web, cobweb. You guys ever do that? It's messed up, huh? That's one of the worst thing, man. You're working, walking your way to your car and you hit a spider web. You're like, eh, what is that, you know? You're looking all over. But here's the thing. While, that wasn't there last night when you came home. That spider web was not in that doorway. So while you were sleeping, having a nice peaceful rest, that spider was up all night long, laboring and toiling to build a web. In fact, somebody might have came down at midnight and knocked it down. But that spider is back there all night long, laboring, spinning, and toiling. Laboring, spinning, and toiling. And this passage is telling us, because we do the same as that spider sometimes. Sometimes instead of sleeping at night or resting deeply in the peace of God, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, to guard your mind and your hearts is God's thesis it's his will it's his desire sometimes instead we're up laboring and spinning like that spider and not resting in the things of God we do the same thing and Jesus is saying about worry he goes you don't have to labor or spin anymore that's the whole point you don't have to labor and spin and sometimes we do labor and spin out in our minds and our hearts about worries and doubts concerns what about this what are we going to do and God's like listen 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 Put me first. Please, put me first. And if you put me first, all these other things, I get it, I see them all. Before you ask, I see them all. They'll be given to you. Everything you need will be given to you. I think it's an amazing promise because God sees these worries. He sees what's stressing us out. He sees what's weighing us down. He sees the things that are literally spinning us out. And God would say to you this morning, you don't have to do that anymore. Stop worrying about the things that are consuming you. Trust me, I know everything you need. And here's how I'm going to provide everything that you actually need. There is no other way, there's only one way, and it's put me first. And I know we say that in theory, but to seek God as a conclusion and as an action point that we actually live our lives in a way that God is first changes everything. It changes everything. Because we go from a me-first person, which is the way you were born. And if you don't know that, watch some little kids on the playground. (laughs) We're all born me-first people. And it takes a day where you say, I'm not anymore. I'm a God-first person. And what happens sometimes is we're a God-first person, and then we drift. And we go back to being a me-first person. Oh, we believe you, God. We believe you died on a cross, Jesus. I get it. I believe it. But we drifted back to be a me first person again. And in our lives, I know I have to do this, is go back to God and say, God, where am I being a me first person? And I gotta put you back in that place that God simply deserves because that is where God is in reality. He's the name above every name. He sees every need we, will, uh, every need we have. And, and, and so the first point, if you're a note taker on, on this on this series to understand how God's economy works and how he will provide for you and meet these deepest needs, desires, things that he's put in your heart is put God first, not in theory, not in general principle, but in reality in your life. Put God first. That's important. If you are a me first person, then at the end of the service today, there's going to be time we're going to do some business with God. And we're going to go before God and say, you know what? It's, it, it is time, God. It's time for me to not be first and you to be first. It is a single day of decision. It's a day of decision. It's not believing in God a little more and a little more and I've kind of figured it out now. No, it's a day in history where you demote yourself and you make him Lord. And that's why Jesus said uh, on that final day when everyone stands before me, some people are going to say, Lord, Lord. He's going to say, I didn't know you. And the reason he's saying that is because Lord, Lord means you first, you first, and there's going to be people that are going to say, oh, you first, you first, God. And he's going to say, I wasn't a me first in your life. I wasn't, it wasn't a God first in your life. That, that's not the way you lived." See, there's going to be me first people encountering Jesus and say, no, it was you first. And he's going to go, no, with all due respect, it actually wasn't. And that's what he's talking about on that day when they say, Lord, Lord, were they God first people or me first people? And if you're a me first person and maybe, maybe you're like me where over time you find areas where your selfish nature, just like the little kid in us, creeps back to the me first place. It's okay. Put it back in check again. It's called consecration. Put God where he belongs and us next. It happens to all of us, God. Guys, it happens to all of us. Where we think maybe we deserve, or this or that, or we get a little lazy in our faith, and then the God first person starts to become a me first person, and we got to keep it in check all the time because everything is an outflow of a God first person. So that's important. Um, people that are me first people, one commentator wrote, people with me first faith, they ask, how can God make my life more comfortable? They want to use God for their purposes instead of being used for His purposes. God-first believers know that they've been saved to serve and made for a mission. They're eager to receive a personal assignment and excited about the privilege of being used by God. So the question is, what kind of believer are you? Are you a God-first believer or a me-first believer? Because to be honest with you, that's something you only know deep down inside right here. And I know the answer that we're supposed to have, but we only really know on the inside. Here's the deal. If you are a God-first believer, there is one inevitable conclusion that is required if you are a God-first believer. And that's our second point this morning. That means I am second. That's what it means. I am second. If God is first, there's no room for both of us to be first. If God really is first, then I am second. But, but, if I'm a me first believer, we can say all we want, God is second. Does that make sense? If God is first, then I am second. And so that's something to come to terms with, I am second. Um, God is calling us to be second. In fact, we're doing, um, there's some great testimonies online about I am second, where they found some uh, great God stories and, and people acknowledging the fact that when I stopped and really made him first, God turned it all around for me. And so here at Metro, we are doing testimonies as well. Uh, teens and 20s, we're capturing testimonies, God stories of teens and 20s who have an encounter with God that changed them to say, I was first, but now God is first and I am second. And here's the result. It's, it's amazing the Bible says we overcome by the word of our testimony, uh, so we want to keep sharing those I am second type stories, but I am second is a day in history. You don't just drift into that position. You don't just eventually, uh, you know, figure that out. It's, it's something where you go, I get it, God. You are the king, and I am not. You are the Lord. I am not. You are first, and I am not. I am second, and it's good to come to terms with that. If you guys believe that, would you say that with me this morning? I am second. Can you say it loud like you mean it? I am second. One more time. I am second. I am second. Feels a little weird, doesn't it? You know it does. It feels a little weird because that nature in us is, I got to do my thing. I got to chart my course here. I got to sail this ship. I got to be about my business. The Spirit of God is saying, remember, you are second. If you trust in me, If you seek me first, I'm going to pave a way for you. It's almost like an icebreaker. They use these icebreaker ships that can just go ripping through the ice and they carve away and other boats can follow through. They just bust through everything. God's like, if you put me first, I'm going to bust through stuff you can't get through. That's God's nature. It's his love. It's his way. I am second. Another thing we think about is uh, when we look at the Ten Commandments, uh, the Ten Commandments were presented by God to his people as ways to follow him. When you look at the Ten Commandments, and I believe we have a graphic up here uh, or coming, Ten Commandments is this. God's got the Ten Commandments written on tablets. And the first tablet, at least the visual, the presentation, is, is that the entire first category has to do with God. Why? Because God is first. And then the other commandments, it looks like four and six on the two tablets, but the four commandments, God's saying, these all have to do with me first. Why? Because I'm first. And the others have to do with others, has to do with you guys, have to do with people. But if you don't get the first ones down, you won't be able to engage people or interact with people in a God-honoring way. You can't do it alone. You got to start with me first. And so if God is first, we even see that in the, in the 10 commandments that God is first and the rest are, um, the rest are for others. But the very first commandment, the very first commandment is, I'm the Lord your God. You can have no others. Why? Because God is first. There's no room for others. Now, when we think of other gods, a lot of times we think of what? Like uh, like Buddha or some kind of thing? But like, No, not necessarily. When we think of other gods, other gods are anything in our lives that you and I have elevated to an elevated position. It could be, it could be, your dream, your hope, or your vision. We'll talk more about desires in, in, in a couple of weeks ab- about where they're at to check ourselves and to see where they fit in God's economy and his blessability. But the point is this, there are things that we've raised up over time and they become small G-O-D-S gods. They become, they're not God Almighty, but we're raising them up and they're in the mix somewhere. And God's like, no. I'm the only, no other gods, no other small G-O-D-S gods. They have to go. In Israel's history, they had the temple where worship occurred and God was being worshipped in there. But in times when evil would take over and was manifesting among the people, they would start building some shrines and ashterah poles and these other things where it wasn't the big thing in the temple. Oh, but they were popping up on the mountaintops. And God's like, no. And in times of revival, we said with God's order, when, when, when God's order was restored, blessing was released. And when God's order was defied, blessing was withheld. In these times, God withheld his blessing. And when people came to terms saying, hey, those false gods need to go away, they actually went and chopped them down They would grind them to powder so they couldn't live on ever again. When God's order was restored, blessing was released again. We see it all through the history. But in the commandments, the very first command, God is saying anything you bow to, anything you serve, anything you raise itself up with me and in my category, that's a God. Now, we got to be careful about that because to be honest with you, there can be things in our life that we don't even know are a God, but can be. And we'll talk about more in that when we talk about desires uh, in in a couple of weeks. But the bottom line is sometimes things, things that we're after, can be a blessing. But things can also be a curse. Uh, Pursuits in our life, pursuits, which sound good in theory, could be a blessing, but could be a curse, You don't know. God will reveal that. I know for a while I was, well, many years I was pursuing a music career and I came to LA playing these clubs and Beverly Hills Lawyers and pursuing a record deal. And when God woke me up along the way, he revealed to me, I did not know that a record deal was a small G.O.D. in my life. If you asked me, I'd be like, what are you, crazy? But now as a Christ follower looking back, I will tell you that was a God in my life. This side of the cross, looking back, I go, yep, it was, but on this side of the cross, I didn't know. So there are things that are small G O D S that that get in the way and cloud the whole future that we have with God that simply need to go away. Now, that doesn't mean um, some success in the industry is, is, is not from the Lord. God may fully bless that avenue and that path. I'm just telling you, for me, where God was calling me, that needed to go away. Does that make sense? But sometimes we don't even realize what a what a God is um, as these things come up, these things, these pursuits. um, So one good way to look at it is that we have to consecrate our desires and we have to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you think? And that's our third point this morning if you're a note taker. Regarding these desires, these things, you're pursuing things, pursuits, dreams, aims, visions, to really, really search your heart, get before God. We talked in the last few weeks about altars and putting things on the altars. Consecrating things means, God, whatever you want, either take it away and burn it or bless it and give it back, God. Either way, I'm okay with it. That's faith right there. That is an obedient son or daughter of God. That is blessability to take whatever that gift, dream, aspirate, drop it on the altar and say, God, burn it or bless it and give it back. Or just hold it there for five years because I'm not ready for it. But whatever it might be, God, I'm okay with it because you're God and I'm not. I'm going to seek you first on it. But regarding these desires to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you think? Honestly, Holy Spirit, what do you think? That is a question that not a lot of people ask. Well, I love God and God wants me to be happy, so I'm going after it. And they start charging at something. It's like, did you ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you think? Because he's our counselor and our comforter. And he's gonna speak to us and guide us. The Bible says he will guide and comfort and counsel us and he will show us and he will speak to us on these things regarding God's will and and our future. And if God is first in our life and we're trying to live that way, the spirit of God will say, psst, yes, that's me, go for it. Or psst, mm -mm -mm, all that glitters is not gold. Don't go for it, it's not what you think it is. And it's amazing how our own flesh will justify and aim a, a decision, a pursuit in our life or a thing we're going after because the me first person climbs to the top. But if we're God first people, we say, Holy Spirit, what do you think? The Bible says you can't serve God and mammon, which was the money God. Can't serve them both. Cannot serve two masters. There's either God honoring pursuits or goals or there's idols that we pursue, and we don't realize they're an idol, but they are, they're things we really, really want. And that's what idols are. Like, I really, really, I gotta have that. And it's not the spirit of God saying it. It's us saying it. And the devil's been doing this all along. He did it with Eve in the very beginning. Hey, psst, hey, look at this. Be nice, right? And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, it looks good to eat. Wow, and all of a sudden, there's this obsession with, what is it? Wow, will it make me wise? It'll make me, I, I, I gotta have that. But God said, but I gotta have that. And this is where we go from God first people to me first people and not saying, Holy Spirit, what do you think? Because these things just rise up like an idol and the the devil magnifies these things and say, look how shiny it is. Wouldn't this be good for you? And they totally get us off our, our walk with God. Um, I know that because I had many in my own life that I had to deal with over time as I, as I came to faith in Jesus and I started walking with him, he started to reveal some of these things to me. Um, one of the things that I had in my life, I think we have a picture of it right up here. I had this uh, old Corvette that I had for like 15 years and I, you know, rebuilt it and used to drive it, took Christy out on dates uh, in the car in, in the early days. But, you know, I gotta be honest with you, you can own it or it can own you. And that's with many things in life. Um, there were things in my life just taking up too much space in my mind, my heart. The Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So when you start having things, shiny things, they take up heart space. They just, they just do. And where God was calling me, uh, God was calling me to, um, to simplify life and get rid of distractions and so God spoke to me. Now, something like this is not an idol. Maybe in your life, maybe you have one of these in your garage at home. That's cool. You can have 20 of them. Maybe it's not an idol for you. I'm not saying a Corvette's an idol or some, a Porsche or whatever you might have. I'm not saying it's an idol. What I am saying, for me, where God was calling me, he was revealing that to me as an idol. Does that make sense? Nice cars are not idols, but nice cars are also idols. For some people, a nice car is an absolute idol because I got to have that. It will make me look good. It will make me wise, good to eat. I belong in that car. I deserve that car. And other people, the nice car is an outflow of God's blessing. And it has nothing to do with the car. It's God's blessing. And does that make sense? It's completely different. It's not about what you have. It's where it's at that matters most. Okay? It's not what you have. It's where it's at. So this car, I felt God saying, hey, listen, it's time to demote some things and let some things go. So I put this car up for sale and I sold it. Now, here's the interesting thing. When I sold it, this guy came by who worked for a local uh, pharmaceutical company. He'd been with him 30 years, made a pile of money. And he came looking at this car. And if you saw Lord of the Rings, you know Gollum? You know his eyes would start? He came up and the guy's like drooling. I'm giving him a napkin and stuff. And I'm like, you okay? He's like, I could just tell. He's like, I gotta have that car, you know? So he went for a drive. He's like, I want it, I want it. You know, he didn't negotiate the price. Here's here's the money, he bought the car. I'm like, all right, cool, trans, season for everything under the sun, right? But as he's in this car, starting it up, ready to pull out the driveway, I sense the spirit of God say, psst, go talk to him. I mean, talk to him. So I go out there and I remember he's sitting in the car and it's running and I take a knee next to the driver's door. And I said, hey, listen, I just want you to know The Bible says to enjoy the fruit of your labor. You've worked hard 30 years, you know, at this um, biotech company, you know what I mean? You've been thinking about this car forever, that's great. But I gotta tell you, it's a really nice, shiny car. And things like this can do something to you. Things like this can become idols in your life. And God says, don't have any other idols. I just wanna remind you, enjoy this car, but please don't let this car become an idol. He looked at me like, hmm? You know, it was a weird, weird conversation. But I, I needed to just tell him the truth. You, you got something here that can be a blessing or a curse. It's really up to you and God what, where that's going to fit. It's up to you. And I just wanted to impart that to that gentleman as he drove down the block uh, in the car, because he's going to have to decide whether this is a blessing and a curse. He's got to get together with God. So you've got to ask, Holy Spirit, what do you think about these sort of things? Now, since there is a season for everything under the sun, and I felt God was calling me to a different kind of race, uh, although I raced that car a couple of times, don't tell anybody. Um, I felt God was calling me to a different race. So we have a graphic up here that explains the kind of race I felt God was calling me to, and it's I am second. It's that kind of race. Not in a car, but an I am second kind of person. And I felt the season I was in in life was if I get rid of some of these race boats and fancy cars and get rid of that kind of stuff, I'm going to be able to run a different kind of race for the glory of God. This is what God was doing in my life. So toys and things like that just started to go away and it gave me that freedom to be second and to be in a place of moldability. Does that make sense? God, guys, there's a huge blessing in it. It's, it's, it's really, really a huge blessing to come to terms with that. So idols have to go. You gotta determine what an idol is and um, being second is really key. Being second is really the answer to everything because when we are second, God is first. If we humble ourselves in his sight, he lifts us up. We, we battle so much with pursuits in life and promotion or getting ahead and God's like, listen, I got an answer for all of that. If you humble I will lift up. You seek me first and you're willing to be second, I got you covered. You don't have to worry anymore about all that stuff. So it's really, really key. Hey, one of the key things, talking about God first and God's commandments, one of his first set of commandments in our God first picture of the the New Testament, of the Ten Commandments, one of them was God's day, God's day. He said, I'm God, no other gods before me. Don't make any images. Sometimes we make things in our life into these images we gotta have. No other images. Don't take my name in vain. But listen guys, my day. Because it's my day. It's the Lord's day. I want you to set apart my day. And I I wanna say this because I don't think it gets spoken very much in the church in America today. But if we are God's first people, then we set apart God's day. For God's day. Now, this isn't the law, and this is not religious zeal. This is simply a response out of a genuine love relationship with the living God. He's the lover of your soul. He loved you before we loved him back, right? He's our first love. And since his motivation is love, and he sets up this day, this first day of the week for us as Christians than on the first day of the week that we honor God on that first day of the week. And And I say that because the Sabbath has historically always been, by God's design, a place to meet with God intentionally, not passively, very intentionally to meet with God, to worship, to grow, to break bread, and really to rest in Him. Rest in Him. On a Sabbath, we're supposed to stop and rest in Him. And now Israel was told, even though they were under the law, six days a week you shall work. So it doesn't mean you gotta have two days off in God's economy. If you do, praise the God, praise the Lord. Maybe you get three days, that's great. But six days work on the Sabbath, my day. Stop for me. Stop and meet with me on my day. Make it a part of your seeking me first to where you don't just think about the idea, you resolve to commit to this end point. If you resolve to put me first and even i believe seeking god first is seeking god's day first this time with god where we get very intentional of having a sabbath which really means rest rest god will do profound things in our life if we will learn how to rest in the presence of god see part of the problem i think that we have in our life is we go through life like that story that jesus was saying look the birds of the air they don't spoil, they don't um uh, they don't spin and toil and it's not like spinning out and toiling and killing themselves. Isn't life so much more than this? Is what he's saying. I think for us too, sometimes we go day after day and week after week and we're pressing on and we, we might be saying, is there more to life than this? And God is saying, look, <laughs> if you'll rest in my presence, I will show you. If you will rest in my presence, I will show you because when you rest in my presence, I will feed you and I will restore you. And when I restore you, you will have a a sustenance. You will be sustained with a a life of God in you and you'll be able to carry this walk out in a whole new dimension. But sometimes we don't stop because nowadays things are so busy. If you have kids, all their sport games are on Sunday. But we have the choice. We choose to participate in that or we choose to put God first. We can't say, well, we can't help it. That's just... It's when the games are. Because what we're saying by that, we're me first people and God's not first and neither is his day and we have a good reason for it. We can justify it. So let's get on to the soccer game or whatever it might be. Listen, I'm not knocking. If that's your realm, I know that's the way sports are. You got to make your own decisions. If it's not Sunday, pick another day. The Bible says, don't argue about even Sabbath days. Isn't that interesting? That the church, uh, the, the Jewish people always met on Saturday. But since Jesus rose on a Sunday, the early church in the book of Acts, and we've got recorded history for 2,000 years where the Christ followers always met on Sunday, the first day of the week, to break bread, fellowship, prayer, and the apostles' teaching. Always, it was a time to grow, be fed, and rest in the Lord and get sustained and empowered for what God was about to do in, in your life. And if you're missing the discipline of the Sabbath in your life, if you're missing it, I want to encourage you today. To put it back in. Stitch it back into the fabric of your week. Put it back into your life. Stitch it in there. Don't, Don't go whatever, I'm not under the law. Listen, this principle, Jesus said, this is Jesus saying, man wasn't made for Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. And if God made something for you and you don't take it, then we're only robbing ourselves. Because on the Sabbath, we are fed, we are sustained, and we are renewed. And that's the point of a Sabbath. So figure out how you're going to set up your Sabbath. Figure out how you're going to set it up. I know what we try to do is like Sunday afternoon, we go home, we, we'll take a nap, we'll start, we'll do some things, maybe worship with the kids at night, we'll do our family night with the kids. We'll, we'll try to regroup and get our Sabbath in as a God-centered environment where we can, where we can get a reboot and a restart with some rest in there. We don't go home and start pulling weeds on a Sunday and doing all that, you know, or do whatever. Try not to run kids around to sports things. We, we try not to roll that way because we try to keep God in the middle. And if that day doesn't work because you work every weekend, well, that's okay. Then find another time where you shut down and say, God, we're not gonna argue, Lord, about what Sabbath day, but Sabbath day, it's on God, me and you. We're gonna have a time where I can rest in your presence. And in that, if you really are God first, I'm gonna give you that day where I can stop and meet with you and rest in you and be fed and and be sustained. And so much of life comes out of rest because we live in a culture where we think we don't need to rest. Just get some sleep and have a good cup of coffee and just go, just go. And God's like, no, you were made to rest. You were supposed to rest. If you rest with me, I'll sustain you and give you a life that, that you know not of. I believe it's so, so important. So if you're a note taker, the fourth point is to put God first, on the first day of the week. And if you can't do the first day of the week, well, then you find what works for you and that's between you and God because we don't argue about Sabbath days, but you find a day because you weren't made for the Sabbath, but it was made for you. And if you're not taking God's resource that was made for you, you might be missing out. You might be running a little lean. You might be running on fumes and you wonder why. Maybe because spiritually you're not getting the rest you were designed to have. You're not getting restored the way you're supposed to be restored. You know, um, During World War II, um, all of the big companies in America had to stop what their normal production was and they had to switch gears for the war effort, The, the big war effort. Women were working everywhere in factories, kids were even working and all the guys were off to war and all the factories are, you do Ford, Chevy, Dodge, Chrysler, they're all building like tanks or whatever they're doing. Everyone switched gears. Well, there was a large boat manufacturer in America. And they said, listen, we are in demand. We need boats. We need lots of them. You guys are working nonstop. We need seven days a week production. We got to get this production going and we are behind seven days a week. So this factory, these people are building these boats seven days a week and they are burning out on, on a pace that you couldn't even imagine. And finally, the owner of the company went to the government and said, listen, please, our people, they need a Sabbath. They need rest. And I know you need more boats. And I know this doesn't make sense, but please let us try. Let us have Sunday off. Let us shut down the plant for one day. And we promise you, you'll be happy with the production. And sure enough, reluctantly, the government said, okay. And they shut down on Sunday so that people could simply get renewed and rest and refreshed as designed. And not only did the morale on the job go through the roof, but production blew away anything they'd ever done in seven days. And the moral of the story is this. If you will stop and rest with the Lord in his presence, in the presence of the living God on a Sabbath, you will find what you can get done in six days will be far greater than anything you'll ever get done in seven days. That's God's economy. God's economy is not the world's economy. The world's economy is seven days of work equals seven days of production. No, God's economy is six days of work plus resting in me, getting renewed in the spirit. Supersedes anything you're going to do in the natural. Does that make sense? That's God's economy, guys. So um, on that note, we're going to wrap up in prayer if the worship team could come up, but I just want to encourage you guys. The answer to everything, it's seeking God first. The answer to everything is putting God first, Because when you put God first, your problems become His problems. But if we're me first people, our problems are our problems, because we put God second. So I would encourage in your heart that you walk out of here saying, God, you know what? I may have taken back my place to first, but today I want to make an intentional effort of putting you first. But I also want to make an intentional effort of saying, I am second and I mean it. And that's not something that most people do in their life. Oswald Chambers says, the way he terms it in his devotional, is the day that you've had your funeral. People are like, what do you mean had your funeral? I don't have my funeral until whatever the date is on my tombstone. He goes, no, 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 don't wait till then, do it now. Say, I am no longer mine, I've been bought with a price. (laughs) The life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who died and gave himself for me. I'm second, I'm second as of now. To have a date in history where you say, that's it, I'm second. And God, you are first. And I just want to ask God to seal some of this. And I think it's a good time for us to do a little business with God. So as the worship team plays in the background, we're just going to pray and seek God right now. But I want to encourage you guys, be second. Put God first. Let him show you that you don't have to labor and spin. And don't have to ask the question, is life more than this? Jesus would say, yes, it is. Put me first. And I see your heart. I know your desires. I'll give you everything you need. It's a spiritual law. It's my promise to you. If you put me first, which means we are second. So mighty God, we come before you right now and I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of it, Lord. I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would show us, Lord, how to um, stay in a place, God, um, that is humble, that, that would be a place, God, where we acknowledge you as first, God. We acknowledge you as first and foremost, as king, as Lord. Um, and, and Lord, I just wanna pray, Lord, for, for um, all of us this morning. I want to pray for any who have not had a single day in history where they can say, I clearly on that day on the calendar, I made you first in my life. And Lord, you're calling some to that right now, right here today. Literally to say God is first. uh, It's a good idea and I like the idea, but I never really did it. Today I'm doing it. It's on. We're living in times where we can't get around with this stuff anymore. We're living in days where we got to be about what you're about, God. So if God's stirring your heart, I want to encourage you to get ready to act on that. Lord, I also just pray for those of us who already said you were first, but in reality, we've pushed you down the ladder a little bit and we jump right into the pilot seat again. And if we're not careful, that can happen every other month or so. It just keeps creeping back up that nature. Lord, we want to make a declaration today that you are first and we are second. If that's your declaration this morning, would you stand? Stand with me and just uh, ask God to, to, to seal a new level of kingdom commitment today to him and his ways and his order. And just put your hands up before the Lord and say, God, I, just, uh, I bring myself, God. I, I just have me to bring. But Lord, I, I come with myself. And I want to say, forgive me for being first, God. Forgive me for seeking me first, my ways, my stuff, being about my business. Forgive me, God, for violating your order. I've fallen short that way. I want to acknowledge today, God, that I am second. I am second. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that because that makes you first, God. And when you're first, if God is for me, who can be against me? You will supply all my needs according to your riches and glory if you are really first in my life. So God, forgive us for not putting you first, but today our declaration is you are first. And Lord, some of us, this is a renewed commitment to you being first, and we praise you for that, God. Seal the deal. Let it be a conviction in our heart. Let us write it, write it on stone, God. Let us, let, it, let us be marked people of this date we transacted with you. And Lord, others are saying this is the first time, I've never quite done this, but God, It's legit, it's real, it's for real. I'm stepping down, you're first. And God, you are so pleased with that heart condition. You are so pleased with honoring you and putting you in the place in your order where you belong, that you are first and we are second. We acknowledge you, we come to you only because of what Jesus did on the cross, that he died for all of our sins and takes them away and gives us a new beginning. We believe in the price you paid, Jesus. We thank you, you rose from the dead. We thank you for the new beginning we have in you, God. And thank you that you make all things new. You take our sins away and you forget them. You throw them into the sea for forgetfulness. You never even bring them up again. And so we don't have to either. Thank you, God, for new beginnings. But I pray we would be marked people from this day forward, God. We would leave, Lord, individually and collectively as a church, as sons and daughters of God who are God-first people and that we are, I am, second people. Let us live our lives that way and just watch what you will do with sons and daughters who say, I am second and God is first. We love you, Lord. Do a radical work in our life. We thank you for that. And we ask you this in in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.